today's show, we are talking with uh, Dorian from group82media.com. If you haven't checked out the YouTube, definitely check it out. He gives insights and a bunch of kind of interesting perspective of his two cents or three cents on the business, the business behind music, um, entrepreneurship, media, and um, his social game is obviously pretty strong. So without further ado, introducing to the show, Dorian from group82media.com. What's up, brother? Nothing much, man. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you. So I see sun's out, guns out, huh? You got Texas getting swole over there, you go. Yeah, man. I went, I just got back from the gym, man. And um, I usually try to lift like at night, but I knew I had this and other stuff doing today. And I was in the gym today, man. And this, I guess it's when the like the like the serious people in there. I mean, it was a lot of super jack folks in there with they just eat salads and drink smart water all day, had me feeling some type of way. So I might have to go back later, man, do two a days now. I um, was just grabbing my coffee this morning. I walked across the street and then this, uh, like I'm 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and this guy probably rolls for 6'5", and just jacked. And then I looked up, I'm like, you actually get visually intimidated when someone's yeah. that much like <laughs> visually bigger than you and you you're just like holy shit dude what are you eating and then i and then i thought about wait a second if i'm six three like two two twenty thirty whatever it is probably a bit more with the corona pounds well what do like anyone under six foot look at us as because you you're not a small dude yourself so i but i'd never uh, you know i guess when you're just at a certain spot you just think everything's normal but then you see someone big you're like whoa, whoa wait a second you're flipping this is this is weird <laughs> yeah and and you know that's something that affects your life in so many ways because i'm six one i'm probably about 260 right now and it's it's just when you walk in a room you automatically command attention no matter what and then people obviously have these preconceived notions about you and then my voice isn't the uh, highest pitch voice out there so the moment i start talking it can be perceived so many ways man it's uh it's a superpower, but it's also a gift and mm. a curse, which I which I know you know more than more than yeah. anybody. Like people can perceive things about you, like yo, I'm not even that type of person. But mm. you're intimidating, like the six five dude scared you. He ain't did nothing. He's walking to his car. You know what I'm saying? So. I know. <laughs> it's it's funny that you don't, you think the world's uh, even until something happens to you and you realize, wait a second, it's it's not. You don't see it the same way. Um, but we digress. Hey, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. How would you describe? you're in it's interesting from the outside like i don't know you personally but i get the vibe of you you cross this bridge of understanding between artist and creative but also commerce and business right and, and there's not many people that sees both sides of the um um both sides of the coin how do you describe either what you represent or what you do within the ecosystem of music and business because it's quite interesting there's not too many people like you yeah, well, the thing for me, man, um, I was born August 2nd, 84. So my entire childhood um, was, well, not entire, but the 90s was a huge part of my childhood. And I had young parents. My parents had me when they were 21, 22, respectively. And so, and, and my dad was in the military. So in the 80s, black family military, we lived in Japan. And so back then, like my dad, CDs and anything Teddy Riley touched, Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, Bobby Brown, I'm listening to all that stuff. And then once the 90s came, uh, my parents are from Ohio. And so the funk era was what they grew up on. But the 90s was G-Funk, Dr. Dre, Snoop, Death Row. So my parents didn't really like that because they felt like they were still in their music. But I loved it. And I was young. And my sister, she's older than me. And she loved it. But my dad just really would talk to me about how these people were broke. And, you know, you listen to your parents, but you don't be listening. Like, you listen, but you don't be listening. You don't know nothing. Yeah. You but, hear it, but you don't listen. Exactly. And then um, you see Tony Braxton get on TV and she talks about how she 
made $170 million and she only took home 2000. And you see TLC, who's the biggest group ever. And my sister and my cousins and me, we just love their songs. And Left Eye and Chili, they're talking at the American Music Awards. They don't have money. And then you see why Dr. Dre left NWA. Then he left Death Row. And you see why Cube left NWA. And you start picking up on all this stuff. And then as I started getting older and really understanding commerce, because I was going into the basketball realm, I became a Division I college basketball coach. I would just pay attention. And I realized the impact that artists had didn't reflect their bank accounts. And it became almost, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's slavery, but it became just flat out immoral what was going on. And so, and so it was visual for you, right? Like you could see it, like you'd heard about it and then time was going on. You're like, oh, now you understood it. So it became a bit more real for you. Exactly. Because as you get older, like obviously you start having jobs and I've had every job under the sun, deliver pizzas, worked as a bouncer, worked at Sprint part-time selling phones and doing other stuff I shouldn't have been doing. But like, so I've had every job under the sun. So you start understanding money. You start understanding business, you start understanding all this stuff, and you see these people who are massive celebrities, massive stars, and they don't have any money. And so when I came into the music business, I was like, this money is going somewhere. Why isn't it coming to the mm -hmm. artists? And thank God for YouTube. Thank God for, for Google. Um, this was about 2013, and I just really started studying interviews. And if you listen to enough artists' interviews, they will spill the beans, right? Like they tried to do the typical sensationalized PR story. I was walking down the street and I was rapping to myself and Dr. Dre saw me and he signed me and gave me a million dollars. You're lying. But so, but you see all that. But once you get a good interviewer like yourself who can just like get through, you kind of remind me of Zane Lowe a little bit, probably the accent. But like, <laughs> like all, all New Zealanders either look alike or sound alike. It's exactly. the same thing. At least it's not Australian. Stuff them, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. And so like when you get a good interviewer who opens them up, you really see like, oh, these people don't have money. This is the, this is the contract that they signed. This is the advance. It's where the royalty's going. It's where the publishing going. Or some of these people don't know at all. And then you start really studying the business. It's like, all right, this is residual income in perpetuity and the creators of it don't own it and they don't get any of it. How is this right? And then when you go and you study a Master P and you study a Chance the Rapper and you study a Jay-Z, um, even 50 Cent, even when he signed and you study Too Short and E-40 and all these guys, Taylor Swift, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, it's like, okay, there's money here. And so that has became my mission. It's like, if you're going to create something, you need to own it. There's just no reason for you to be leveraging that out or giving that out to people, especially in today's society. Like before I go to the gym, I'll kind of get into like a meditative state. Like I don't really uh, football like lift no more. I'm right, not, right. I, ain't, yeah. I, ain't, I ain't doing all that. So I'm, I'm going in there to kind of relax and get my mind off everything. And I, my mind always seems to go to content and the ownership of content. And I always think about my grandmother that passed away in 2002 and even my great-grandparents who I never really knew like that. The fact that we can go on YouTube and I can make money in perpetuity on a 70-30 deal, my, my way, 100% creative control. And they do the distribution, they do the marketing, I got the ownership and I'm making thousands of dollars a month from just talking about stuff like you and I are doing right now. Like you're going to make money off of this. It's insane. It's insane. And I look at these people like, Jay-Z, anytime he does an interview, we all watch. Anytime Kanye does an interview, the entire world watches. And these are interviews that are going to be shown forever. 
and they can eat off of that. But someone else is going to own that if you're doing it on somebody else's platform. And so my thing is like, I can't help the baby boomers that much. I can't help the Generation X or some of them. But for millennials and younger, I definitely can. And we all know it's about music. It comes in waves and artists. And we're kind of seeing one now where there's a bunch of new artists popping up. And I just want them to have ownership like I do because there's no reason to be giving that out. Because like even today, like another example, I was talking to my homeboys. Um, I just got an urge today because, well, my album True Support, the royalties hit today. So I put money into the savings. I bought some Apple stock to justify this. And I wanted some Jordan 11 Concords. I've been wanting them for a while. So I went to StockX and I bought them today, like literally like 20 minutes ago. They were $500. And I'm thinking when I was younger, those shoes were 120 bucks. And now they're 500 on the resale market. And I'm thinking about Michael Jordan. The fact that he doesn't own 10% of Nike is a travesty. It's beyond a travesty. because And he deserves that. Because if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't be who they are. And so I just want people to be aware of what their value is. And to make sure that they get equity stake in whatever that they bring. Well, it's interesting because that that whole narrative journey, you've been able to see the gaps of where it's a recurring thing. You, it's like in music, you, you're watching the same song on repeat. Artist comes in, gets exploited, gets in, tries to get out. They either get squashed down by the label or they piss off to their own thing. But don't you think? Uh oh. <laughs> Good old podcast, good old stream yard. Happens all the time. Can y'all see me? If anybody's in there, write comments. Probably, oh, it looks like that's private. Oh, okay. It's all good. I should probably just shut up. Sorry, back in there. there you it go. always Sorry happens. Always happens. <laughs> I was just saying the, um, it's like a song on repeat. And you've just seen the artist come through, get squashed by label, come through, get held down, come through. But now, obviously, with, with SoundCloud and with YouTube and stuff, it feels that, you know, with, with the Russes of the world and the, and the Chance the Rappers, you know, dude's making a million dollars just off his hats. Do you feel that there is enough success for the independents right now that it is it's a, a new wave that's coming for the, the way things were? Like, do you think we've passed that tipping point of yellow cabs versus Uber when everyone's just like, no, no, I'll just catch an Uber. Like, do you think we're hitting that moment because there's been enough people so far? Or do you still think the, the, the way things were will survive because they'll adapt their, their model outside of just like a 360 deal or whatever? Like, how do you think this plays out for the music world of mainstream versus independence in the next I think 10 years? Yeah, I think that there's a few a few things with that. And your and your sound changed a little bit. So I don't know if you're, it's the settings or whatever, but your sound changed a little bit. Um, but like I think there's gonna be a few things with that. I think people place so much of an emphasis on fame. And because they place so much of an emphasis on fame, if you go to a label, they can make you famous. They can make you more famous than being an independent artist can. They can make you famous faster. And we have been socialized that fame is more valuable than money for some reason because mm. we think fame equals money but if everyone knows i'm famous that's more valuable than how much money i have in my bank account and nobody knows and so a lot of artists get into it for that and so when you have tmz and all these gossip sites and everything that's going on it continues to push that and so when an artist changes their mentality on that that's what they can be like rust they can be like chance and then another thing that needs to happen is the transparency of information 
there still is a lot of stuff in the music business that people don't talk about because a either artists can't talk about it because they signed an NDA. B, they don't know what they signed at all. C, they're scared to talk about it because they don't know how to make money on their own. Or D, they might have all that information. They just don't want to talk about it because it might not be their personality. Russ has the personality where he talks about this stuff. Chance has the personality where he talks about this stuff. I have the personality where I talk about this stuff. But it's still going to take more people. Like what Kanye did with Twitter when he revealed all his contracts, no artist had ever done that. But the reason Kanye is able to do that because he's making billions of dollars through shoes and apparel. So because he's doing that, he doesn't have to get his money from the label daddy. He's getting his money somewhere else. And so when you have more artists who are going to do that and reveal what's going on with radio promotion and reveal what's going on with touring, how Live Nation owns a lot of these venues and reveal what goes on when people, they want to be on Vivo on YouTube. What that means, you're actually signing over your YouTube rights in perpetuity. When they start revealing this stuff, that is what's going to empower independent artists. Every under Every other industry, that has experienced a surge of independence is because they had the information from people that were in it and they told them, hey, you don't have to do this anymore. But because there hasn't been an artist that's as big as Drake, that's independent, people are still like, yo, but you're not Drake. You're not Jay-Z, you're not Cole, you're not Kendrick. Yeah, I'm not. But they came out in 2009. If Drake debuted today, I don't know if Drake would even sign. He wouldn't have any, any, any reason to. So. That shift is going to happen fundamentally, and I think we're probably going to see in the next five to seven years. Interesting, the word empowerment, because I've been thinking about um, when it comes to the talent with stuff like this, it becomes either you know you're saying you know you know a Cole or a Jay or a or a Drake, but at what point is the balance between empowerment versus exploitation? Because sometimes if you're talking about fame being the catalyst for them to you know drink their own Kool Aid on their own stuff in many ways it makes their circle of intellect smaller because they don't want to be perceived to know less and they don't want to be perceived to not know what's actually going on because they should, they feel like the man of like, yeah, yeah, I, I got all this cloud. I got a little shit. It's like, cool. But they don't actually what's going on the back end, but they'd actually rather hide from it. They're probably not in the rooms when the business deals are getting done. They don't have that, uh, uh, that tight circle that's around them, whether it's their day one crew or whatever, they probably don't know about intellectual property or global distribution rights and percentage splits of how things work from the tech side. So in many ways, the game still from an exploitation side is actually geared towards itself and its own self-interest. They probably don't want to be messing with people that are extremely intellectual with their rights and stuff. They, I'm sure that's why a lot of people probably hate the, the, I can imagine a lot of the mainstream, the big boys probably aren't fans of Russ, which is how he's so vocal about certain things because he's bringing empowerment against exploitation. Right. But it feels like there's chips at the chips at the armor of it. Um, when, but for you, this, the content that I've seen, you're very um, confrontational. Yeah. Right? And, and <laughs> I, I love That's it. a great way to put it. <laughs> I love it. I love it because, you know, I'm in many, there's certain things that I get extremely passionate about, yeah. but it's when passion and emotion mix with intellect on something that you genuinely care about and you just get hyped, you just flip and go to town. Why does the competitiveness come for the fear of future regret that you have for other artists that might get screwed or is it for yourself because you can see it's broken for you what's the what's the tension of your own frustrations versus the future regret of others that's an outstanding question um i think there's a few parts of that with because i'm not straight on mad on social media which people don't believe that but they don't like this this social media this, this internet this isn't gonna make me mad if it if it gets to be too much i'm gonna turn it off 
But what it is is it's literally naturally my personality. Like talked about in the beginning of the interview, I have a deep voice. I'm a I'm a I'm a big dude. When I start talking, people pay attention. It comes from my dad. It comes from my grandmother. It comes from my aunts. It's just a Clark gene that we have. That's number one. Number two, like I told you, I used to be a college basketball coach. When you're coaching kids, you can't say, hey, man, um, I would like if you would set that screen at the top of the key because when he comes off the screen, if you really, really set it nicely, we'll be able to get into the lane and we can get a corner three. Hey, man, set the goddamn screen like we went over in the, in the scout report. Like, you have to talk to people in a language that they understand, right? And because I'm so used to dealing with that, I saw when I came into the music business, a lot of the players, their age, their demographic, they also made music too. And they're not, they don't respond well to that fluff shit because it doesn't get you anywhere. That fluff doesn't get you anything. But when the coach talks to you, it penetrates a little bit differently, especially when the coach is giving you something that you know that works and you know that they actually care. When I was coaching, one adage that we had when I was coaching with Kevin Sutton in Montverde Academy, he's assistant coach at Rhode Island now. Love you, coach. He used to always say that. When players know that you care, they'll run through a brick wall for you. They will. And so I don't even be thinking about that when I'm making my content, but people can see that. Like, I genuinely mm -hmm. care because, A, I'm an artist. So everything that I'm saying, I'm doing, and I need this stuff to work. But, B, it's also that fluff has mm -hmm. got us to this point. Us not being in those rooms like you were talking about has got us to this point. Us not understanding global distribution rights and intellectual property law has gotten us to this point. I got a clip on my page on Instagram and on YouTube where 2 chains. like now he has a label, he's signing people. And he was talking about how early on he wasn't going to his own meetings. If you know anything about 2 chains, he's an intelligent dude. This is a smart dude. Like he's not street smart. He's street smart and book smart and social smart, but he wasn't even going to his own meetings. It's like we have to take ownership. And when you look at somebody like Baby at Cash Money, who was a 100% street dude, but he was able to negotiate him and his brother Slim, one of the best record deals in the history of music that they study in law school. If he can do that, what can you do with your college degree or your master's or your cousin or whoever, right? It's just a matter of having the courage to actually do it and go up against the system. And I think that's where that passion really comes out, combined with my natural personality. It's... um when you can clearly articulate intellectual things behind what's actually happening publicly, it gives a lot more leverage because you actually know it from the inside. And so it becomes quite a dangerous little speedboat of a little microphone inside the machine that sort of, you know, extrapolates it out. But for you, like, do you feel that your mission on this is to try and, you know, are you trying to bring balance to the game? Are you trying to like, obviously there's an empowerment for those, those next sort of artists, but if you fast forward, if you had all the resources behind you, if you had a big machine that was, let's say a flipping YouTube came along. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, bring balance to the force. What what would you do and what would that look like to to like scale fairness to where you see it's um, unfair right now? How would you yeah. change it? Yeah, I mean, I just really want, like you just said, it's unfair to just give everybody an opportunity where your hard work is rewarded like it is when you're inside of a, of a label system. Like right now, you can be inside of a label system and you can have a fan base the size of mine when you get signed and they'll immediately take you to the top of Rap Caviar, one of the most popular playlists on, on, on Spotify. You can get that top spot. Why can't an independent artist get that spot? Like, why can't an independent but, artist get on the radio? Go ahead. 
No, like when we were, I was talking to Ski about this actually, about how they're um, manipulating who's hot by what record labels are paying to be on the playlist on each one and then individually themselves are then wrapping up a whole bunch of themed genres to then run as a mood which then they own all the rights to as well so they're syncing that up but yeah but you're exactly you're exactly right so continue yeah which is bullshit it's just like the one thing about music is the people are going to tell you what's good and the record industry doesn't they listen to them but they know they can manipulate them a little bit too and you can manipulate them as much as you want but at the end of the day an old town road is going to penetrate the system. Like people liked it and it blew up. You know what I mean? And that's going to continue to happen. And it just makes more sense to me. It's a lot more lucrative to me. If they just had to be like, let's say Google got behind me using your example, Google, which is YouTube. They got behind me with everything that I'm doing. We will be able to compete with universal tomorrow because now the people have chosen me and I'm at the forefront and then whether man, you like my music or not, it doesn't matter. But the message is going to be out there. And now it's a level playing field. People always talk about how music is a competition and they compare it to basketball the most, especially rap because it's black. But it's just like it's not. The Lakers won. The Lakers won seven games, four series in a row. LeBron was MVP. They won. Who won this year in music? There's no objective winner. None whatsoever. And they try to act like that it is like you just said, who's at the top of the playlist. That's who's hot. I just listened to Jack Harlow's song, Tyler Hero. He was the number one spot on Rap Caviar. I turned it on when I was working out. Love the song. I like him. You can't, Is he hotter than Cole? He's hotter than Kendrick? Is he hotter than Drake? No. But if you don't know anything about rap, and you go to Spotify right now, he's the number one spot. You would think he's the hottest. Is he the richest? He don't own none of that. You know what I mean? So it changes the narrative because if you can control the media you control the messaging you control the messaging you control the the seeds of the perception of what other people think right which is exactly why anyone who's doing any type of big power play with governments they control the media then they control the narrative they control the messaging it's interesting to see that that clearly is transition over to music but the which i'm imagining like i don't know the music game at all like i've got friends that are in and i've got you know from new zealand a, a couple of people have done pretty well but i'm imagining from the same 1.0 hustles of giving the dj a hundred bucks at the club or or suspend the cd on a friday night whatever that shit is now it's like okay cool now i've got to plug into the 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 spotify connect that does this the playlist and oh just you know send him a quick 10g or whatever the thing is so i i wonder how the People try are trying to game the system now in digital because can those individuals just walk straight up to the DJ? Probably not. How do they then navigate uh, that sort of? Uh, how do you hustle the game when it's technology driven now? Like from yeah. what you've seen of how people are doing, how, how are they doing it? Well, what the labels did is early on because Daniel Ek he on Spotify. Spotify's been around since like 2007. Um, he's from Sweden, so early on he had the software, but he needed the music. And who had the music? Universal, Sony, and Warner. So he had to broker licensing deals with them. But they didn't just broker a licensing deal. Universal, Sony, and Warner had equity stake in Spotify. And so they that's payola in the highest form, conflict of interest in the highest form. I think Sony sold their shares a few years ago, but Universal and Warner still have equity in it. And so you have that. And so if you're an independent artist, you got to fight that. Another thing Spotify just announced, like this day it's announced this last week, so Drake's new album's coming out, Certified Lover Boy. Um, I don't know when this interview is going to air, but January 2021 is when the album's dropping. And what Spotify has introduced is a feature for the labels 
where when Drake's album gets done playing the last song, Certified Lover Boy, you can pay for that next spot on everybody's personalized playlist or whatever or whatever for a lower in the gap. Yeah, they're selling the, the gap for a lower royalty rate. Right. So like, let's say the example I gave on my social media was little broke ass. Like Drake is a is a universal artist. Right. Let's say Universal signs a new artist called Little Broke Ass. Once Certified Lover Boy gets done, Universal will pay a lower royalty rate to have Little Broke Ass a single get done, get played right after Certified Lover Boy. So when all of us go listen to Drake's entire album, now once we get done, the next song is Little Broke Ass. Now we're streaming him. And now he's the hottest. Now he's in the system. That's an independent artist. That's not fair because how do I get in there? But Billboard isn't fair because they do the same shit. Radio isn't fair. So as an independent artist, you got to find back routes. And independent playlists have been the best way for me because they're, they're playlists owned by people you like myself or like you or like people that work at Cracker Barrel. I don't know if y'all had that in New Zealand or whatever. But like, and you can hit them up on Facebook like, hey, add my song. You can pay them $20, pay them $30, $40, $100. And that's the new paying the DJ. But those playlists do not have the reach that rap caviar nor does it have the same effect as being the next song after drake's album you know what i mean and so there's so many back routes that we got to take that the they they always try to game the system like the music industry always does this it's interesting there i was just putting down a note you know if you look at google it's technology driven which is algorithmic based for your likes you so basically it's a non-human curation set for you with music it is actually the even the most technical world with global distribution it's actually fully analog one-to-one of relationships because it's human curation so weirdly enough the most powerful thing that has global distribution is actually the other way which is then back to the backhand for the this that's really interesting because in a world where technology was supposed to so instead of people giving you know the algorithm shit on youtube you wonder it's like wait a second maybe we need to look what the humans are doing on the other side here because yeah. that, that power of influence is that, like I'm I'm sure the the curator of rap caviar that individual I know they'll I can almost guarantee you there'll be silent weight put on them by a potential vested interest in its own company because it's in its self-interest yeah. and I can also <laughs> imagine that uh it's probably that new hustle if it's existing on that side every other spot you look at will be happening more and more that kind of gets you a little depressed because then the independent who's trying to get out there, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, now I've got to go up and now, now I've got my song could get to a billion people, but it's coming out to one dude. Yeah. That's and even that's, worse than three labels. Yeah. And that's why I tell people to ignore all that shit. That's why I tell people don't tap dance. That's why I tell people, you know, the best thing about the music business, which is different from when I was trying to make it in basketball, because my goal was to make it into the NBA as like a general manager. Like that was my dream goal. But I, what you just said, there was no aptitude test. It wasn't the people chose me. One dude had to keep approving me, right? And I'm not about to keep convincing you. Like, I'm not tap dancing for you. That's how all that weird shit starts happening. In music, yes, we have that route where the one dude can approve you. But you have another route. It's called fans. It's called building a brand. It's called customers. It's called they will push you forward. They will give you money. They will stream your music. They will watch your videos. They will buy your merch. They will share your stuff. And you can sustain and develop consistent income from that. And then once you get to the point where you have this solid fan base, I call my fan base the pond. Once the pond has gotten me to this point where I can do this full time and I'm making more money than I ever had before, now I don't need a label. Now I have leverage. 
So if a label does talk to me, it's like, first of all, that old contract that y'all doing is I'm not doing anything with that. And B, I'm so comfortable in my lifestyle and everything that I'm doing. Why would I bring you in? I have built this entire thing on my own. Now, going back to what you said earlier between the mainstream and the independent, that's where the artist has to decide. If you want to be really mm -hmm. famous, you can go to a label. You're going to give up some of this leverage that you've built or you can maintain ind independently, grow a little slower, but you own everything. Right. That's the dilemma because nobody is signing anybody for, excuse me, like an example I gave earlier, you rapping down the street and they got their window down and Dr. Dre can give you a contract. That doesn't happen anymore. you got to have some proof. They want to see you have a brand. Since you already got to do that anyway, why not maintain control? So that's the thing. Like, I'm, I don't, well, you cuss a little bit. So I guess I can cuss a little bit on here too. But like, yeah, it's just, nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, fuck that dude. Fuck that dude who I need approval from. Fuck him. I have fans, man. And they're going to continue to buy the music. And you see that too with these old school artists who still have careers and they still tour, who aren't signed to labels anymore. Right? Like, Ludacris, I don't even know who he signed to if he is, but a couple of years ago, he got paid $80,000 to perform at the halftime of the University of Georgia spring football game for 15 minutes. It ain't because Ludacris on the charts now. It's because he killed it in the 2000s, and he still has fans that work at the University of Georgia who they don't care. They just want to hear what's your fantasy or whatever it is. They gave him 80 racks. That's what that is. And so – that is what everybody needs to focus on, not just musicians, but entrepreneurs, fans, clients, customers. That's what you need to focus on, not all these behind-the-scenes people that can make you bigger. Man, they're going to make you tap dance like no tomorrow. Not all of them, but a lot of them. It's interesting because the, the point there where they're wanting you to already have your fan base and bits and pieces and then give up that equity, the, the bit that's tricky about it is they almost wanted a fully de-risked layup for them to just plug into their system right and there's oh if you've got already okay if you're hot on the streets you've got this amount of numbers if you've got this much momentum oh you've got blah 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 blah, blah. and so for them i'm imagining it's like okay plug in go there you go now we own your shit thanks for coming because if there's thousands that want to be on there they can just curate the biggest upside as if it was a casino of of human beings for for talent right like give me the best odds okay you've got a million you've only got two thousand okay yeah. i don't care if you're cold you've got the million i convert that million and i imagine most of those decision makers are potentially if they're publicly run companies are looking to the quarterly earning reports and the the the, the short-term gain not actually building a brand and building a career it doesn't feel that um the care is there for the long game and the worst part about all of that, because everything you said is 100% right. And the worst part about all of that is when you sign, yes, they have ownership, but they charge you for their entire system. They charge you for the radio promo. They charge you for the touring. They charge you for the licensing deals. They charge you for everything. So the moment that you sign, to, you have built a brand. You've invested all the resources. You've taken all the risk. You have built this turnkey operation and now I'm signing over to you and you're charging me for what you said that you're going to help me with when the system is automatic. Like, you know, you're going to get me on the radio. You know, you're going to get my music put in that Netflix show and I'm going to get publishing and royalties off of that. You know that you're going to be able to get me on this tour and I'm going to be able to sell merch. You know, some of those things are guaranteed. You already know that. So why are you charging me for that, man? That don't make no damn sense. Like, that's mm. like going onto Shark Tank and you have this towel. It's the best towel ever, right? It can 
wipe your face and your balls at the same time and give you a tea tree filling. It's the best towel of all time. Mark Cuban loves it. He said, I'm going to give you 10% for $100,000. Boom. So now he owns 10% of, of your company is valued at a million. The reason you want to go to Mark Cuban because Mark Cuban owns the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA. So he has a locker room. He has players. He has athletes. It's a great thing, right? And he owns that. He makes money off of them. And then once the deal's done, Mark Cuban hands the towel to Luka Doncic for him to post it. And, and Mark Cuban sends you an invoice for that. Why the fuck are you sending me an invoice? You own 10% of the company. But that's what the record labels do. And everybody's okay with it. But in any other pay business, for, take equity, but then pay for services. Pay for services. The um, little segue, but still on this idea of exploitation, I saw two interesting clips when I was doing the digging, and they came through through the amazing YouTube algorithm because I was doing some digging on the behind the scenes of business and stuff around Gary V and Adam 22. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and I... For for those who haven't seen it, essentially you go on a solid rant. It's yeah. bloody great, um, and it was an interesting one because from he misses in the hip hop world. He not too many people takes uh, people obviously take uh, shots at him for the hustle mentality. Work twenty hours a day, you know, don't do anything. Your angle was a little bit different. Where did that? Um, what was the impetus behind taking that shot? Yeah, well, the thing with him is like, um, first of all, he has a great business mind. And a lot of stuff that he's done with his brand, I've done. Like, he, he released his first deck. I liked it. I mean, I followed him for a while. But I kept seeing him talk about, he would just randomly say he had black friends growing up. And he just kept saying it, kept saying it. And he grew up in all these black neighborhoods. And, and he would go to the breakfast club. And he would talk about that. And he just kept bringing this up. And I'm just like, okay, there's, bro, you don't have to say that. You know what I mean? Because your audience isn't primary black. So why do you keep saying that? And then he kept having rappers come on to his show and he would give them this advice. And me being knowing the music business, I'm seeing that the advice is, is general. But since I'm listening to him, I'm like, okay, he's helping them. But then once things started happening in our community, he would shut the fuck up, right? A rapper would get killed or they would get shot or they would get ripped off in the business. He wouldn't say nothing. He would say about in any other business, he would say, fuck college. You shouldn't do that. College is a, a scam. But he would say that in the music business. But the moment that a rapper got shot that was huge or got killed, he would talk about it. He talked about Nipsey till he was blue in the face. He talked about Mac Miller till he, till he was blue in the face. And it's just like, you are literally using our culture to bring attention and to bring street credibility to yourself, but you are not giving back. When you have all these black friends that you grew up with, I think one time he said his whole wedding party was black. When you go watch his videos, how many black people do you see at VaynerMedia? How many black people do you see on his team? And I'm not saying ain't none men that work up there, but he has even said stories about when he's gotten pulled over and he was the only white dude in the car and he's seen how police treated his black friends versus the white friends. Then why aren't you doing what you know needs to be done? Because you're a fucking culture vulture. That's why you're using our shit, which is the biggest export that America has, black culture, to bring attention to your brand, to get you more credibility like a lot of people do. And the moment that you need to return the favor to us, you don't do it. Fuck him. Adam 22 is the worst of the worst because at least Gary V keeps it on a business level. Adam 22 gets you to talk about your sex life and who shot who and who's beefing with who and who's fucked who and porn stars who got molested by their daddy, but they're black women. And he's putting them on display as straight coons. And he's benefiting off of all that. He's getting money off of all that. He's eating off of all that. And he goes on, the, one of the clips I have is him and Dame Dash talking. 
And Adam 22 trying to tell Dame Dash what black people want from Kanye. You ain't black, man. Shut up. Like, you need to listen. Like, I have a lot of women in my life. I don't tell them what women want. I listen to them. My daughter's one years old. I listen to her. I'm not going to tell her what a woman wants. I'm going to listen. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that too many times. These privileged white dudes come into our shit and they, th and they see it's hot and they use it because they know about global distribution rights, what we were talking about earlier. They know about IP. They know about all that stuff. And they just get this cool factor. They get invited to the cookout and they take all of our shit and they get billions off of it. Like Supreme just sold for $2 billion. They make billions. And what do we get? We don't get jack shit. What did Michael, Je what did Michael Jordan get from Nike? He didn't get shit. Oh, he's a billionaire. Michael Jordan's the most underpaid employee ever. So that's where that comes in. So you was talking earlier about like the passion, that culture vulture shit. I don't do that shit at all. Gary V, Adam 22, Vlad TV, Little Dicky, fuck them all. You're white, man, in America. All you got to do is appeal to white people. Why are you coming to our shit? If you go come to our shit, come in there respectfully. Eminem is the greatest rap, one of the greatest rappers ever. The highest selling rapper ever. When has he just suspected black culture like that? He hasn't. He doesn't do that. So he's shown you that it can be done. So it's not mm. racism. It's about respect, man. We don't do that to you. Fuck them all. Good rant. Solid. <laughs> I like it. There's some Fucking Michael content for you. Yep. <laughs> love it. No, it's... um. I'll go to the Gary Vee thing, right? He finds things are broken. He builds his own engine for it, but then he owns the engine. Yep. The interesting bit with this to date, if you are right, is he won't, if he knows the system's broken the same way. So, so um, my previous media company, uh, content agency in New Zealand, um, I exited to publicist group, Sachi and Sachi publicist group, one of the, the big uh, global agencies. He hates the big agency, and then now he's building the thing to destroy the big guys, right? Like he's building that screw ship, but he's going to do it in his own way. Like he's scaling, he's scaling his speedboat. So he saw an industry that was broken. He went in, and he hundred percent. Like now he's got you know a thousand thousand employees, big yeah. shit, blah blah blah, like yep. mega. He goes uh, shoes, okay? Like you know we close, blah blah. He goes K Swiss does a deal there, obviously getting equity, whatever. He. And every vlog he will put on the hot new next artist. He goes into the studio session, do whatever. If he doesn't get fully into the music game and launch something to do it, that would probably prove to your point, right? Because it's taking the bits of, I want to be associated, but, but not actually help them. Because if everything you're saying is correct and, and the industry is as stuffed as it is, it's like media. A lot of people know media is stuffed. Music. Yeah. Everyone pretty much knows music stuff. Yeah. The question should be, well, if you're going into sports management, if you love sports so much, if you go into business and you love agency world and you love agency so much, but then you've got all these black friends and all this, these hip hop career, if you're homies with Nipsey and all this other stuff, shouldn't the next play be actually launching the, the music 2.0 of exactly what you're talking about, where it's scaled empowerment for the independents at mass that then take care of those big things? Because you, if you're thinking about billion dollar industries, agencies are great, but music in perpetuity potentially might be a lot, lot bigger. So, yeah. I guess I'm, the question. I guess what I'm saying is, I'll be interested in the next ten years if your thesis is right. Because if he doesn't do something at scale within music, but he's leveraged all the relationships and clout and everything from within it, then that actually is interesting. Saying, "Oh well, 
you rep all this other stuff and yeah, you go and yeah. do that. But then the thing yeah. that you're really interested in this, you're not doing for. So what are you actually doing in the music space if you know that all these young artists, which are predominantly African-American, are actually getting steamrolled, right? Yeah. It's an interesting that, take. It is. And that's a great observation by you because I didn't even piece that together as far as with his media company and with sports management and all yeah. that. He definitely he does it. And, and each time he does it, he said he did the one thing, empathy one, which also just got flipped. Yeah. He finds a he finds a niche that's broken in the industry. He builds the engine for it, which is a good engine, and then he either flips or scales the engine. It's clear that music is an, a massively huge part for him. If you are right and your issue is around the um the vibe of a culture vulture for um, I've got black friends, but I have to keep bringing it up around white people because it gives me clout or whatever that, yeah. that thing may be. Yeah. Surely in a world where you're an early investor and you know Facebook and Uber and all these other things, you, you must know it. That will be the true. That will be the true test because it's a market ripe for disruption. It's global distribution. It's text based. It's driven around community and talent and art, artistry. And everything he's built has always been as a byproduct of seeing something that's broken, which is similar to myself. But obviously, he's done it way way bigger. So realistically, it should be Vayner Music that launches yeah. which full ownership and ip for all artists with the engine to be able to rip them and, and scale it out globally using his blueprint for content and if he yeah. doesn't maybe you're right yeah exactly and you know and like i said before his his business mind his business acumen can't be disputed and i think in our community specifically black people we gotta learn to take the message and separate it from the messenger the thing about us is when someone gives us a really good message we fall in love with them and there's no reason to fall in love with with Gary V because everything you just said is correct. Like he's done that. And so I don't even have that expectation for him. But if but based on his characteristics, his personality, his brand, Vayner music would make a whole lot of sense. But even if you don't do Vayner music, like you said, your whole wedding party was black. Where them dudes at? I, I hear about I don't even follow him no more. But I know D-Rock. I know his brother, AJ. Where them dudes at? I mean, just something that because he's always talking about micro and macro. Just okay, where's the micro of that? You know, and so I've seen it so much. My education, me being in college basketball, now being in music, I see so many people who white people who pander to the young black talent, but don't give them the equity. It's like I'm just I'm not gonna stand for it. Hmm. You're quite the um. You're quite the catalyst for microscoping specific things that you feel are wrong you know and it's the intent you can you can like the bits the pieces that you find for it it's not about what they'd like say let's say for adam 22 and um who he interviews if it's predominantly black and potentially not the most intellectual and if he is the platform of cool can be used as a bit of a trojan horse to actually get in and potentially just make them look dumb yeah. or exploit their um lack of understanding about certain things or the way they communicate I get that. Do you ever have you seen anything publicly where it's flipped the other way, where it's like a Charlemagne to someone that's white? What's the is there an equivalent? That's that's a really good question. Because, <laughs> like the, no. the the only person and and she just completely went to shit with it. The only person I could possibly think of that was doing that one time was Oprah. Like she's the only one. Huh. And then her what she's done the past decade against black men has just been terrible. But like. I feel like Oprah started off doing the salacious content. She started off having the Ku Klux Klan on there versus the Black Panthers. She started, and then she completely flipped in 
to the book club and positivity and all that stuff. And her platform became something not just for black people, but for white people, right? And she will push you into the stratosphere. The Oprah effect is absolutely real. You know what I mean? So that's the only way that I can see it. And she became the media maven. She be, she owns all her shit. Like she became the template. So like I said about Eminem, it's there. So you got to ask these, these rich white dudes, why do you go that route? Adam, Adam 22, you're not dumb. So why are you exploiting? When if you flipped it, it's been proven that it can work. Like, I always say this too. Why is the news so negative when we see the reuniting of soldiers with their families and everybody is touched by that? We see kitten videos. Everybody's touched by that. Everybody gets moved by a positive story way stronger than they get moved by a negative story. So why in the hell do y'all keep pushing the fucking negative all the time? I'm not saying we need to have on rose-colored glasses. I'm not saying that. But damn, can we get some balance? I mean, mm. and then when it leads to commerce, and my people are the ones not getting any equity, and we're doing all the work, and it leads us getting shot by police. Politically, we can go there. It's like somebody gotta say something. What's interesting, Dorian, about that is when they're going for the short quick win for the clickbait topical relevant thing that it's a cycle it's like a new cycle it's like a you know i remember um i think uh john stewart got interviewed in this one thing and he just said you know my brain had just got sick and tired of yeah. just doing the same loop i just done the loop every day new cycle new thing what am i talking about it and you almost want to for, for people like that if it's just car wash mentality drive through day by day you don't have depth and longevity it becomes um over time without the depth there's not that glue that attracts it to it it becomes like a little flashing light like ah 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 there's no depth right so i think you are for the short term but if you look at the oprahs of the world when it's long tail and and becomes bigger than itself it's having the courage and bravery to be able to flip that from exploitation to empowerment but I think to your point, those type of people who build a platform on exploitation, I don't feel have enough driver internally to know that the right thing to do is to flip it to the empowerment piece. See, Oprah I, did. But I, yeah, just, yeah. I, I disagree. They know. Okay, no. They just don't want to. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, so, sorry. That, okay, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, because okay. I think we underestimate how intelligent that these people are because these systems have been created. It takes mm. a lot. That's why I never shoot down an entrepreneur. I'm not shooting down uh, Adam 22's brand. That shit took a lot. I'm not shooting down Vlad TV's brand, Gary V's brand, Little Dickie's brand. It takes a lot. No matter what entrepreneur, no matter what advantage you have, it takes a lot. A lot of people hate Donald Trump. He became a billionaire. That takes a lot. But mm. the morals, <laughs> like that is what gets caught up. Because what you keep saying is about exploitation versus empowerment. Everything that you said is right. It's about the loop and now I want to flip it. But it's the same mentality with the labels. It's the exact same thing. They have no incentive to empower because everybody's chasing the fame. And like the example you gave about the casino, which is great. They can just go get somebody else. And, and they know. They don't that need to. I, yep. And I'm going to charge them for everything that we do. And all my friends work at the radio and they work at Rolling Stone. They work at Billboard and they work at Netflix. We're going to get the royalties, going to get the publishing. We're going to own it in perpetuity. We're going to burn this artist out, give them some cocaine, get them some lean, give them some women, put them on tour. 
And then once his song, ah oh, man, you didn't hit top 40. All that that threshold, ah, you didn't you didn't get 200,000 in sales. We gotta go another direction. It's better if you do it independent because now you get to own everything. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got me famous. I do independent. Yeah, go get away. And then we sign the next dude for 50,000 while we own all your hottest shit. I mean, it's they know and they can up. use the system to push it. They can use the system to push that person to actually make him a thing. Um, I just had a note here. I actually saw a interview with Oprah a while ago and it was about um, her mindset shift. And she said, yeah, if it wasn't, if it's about the intention of uplifting, enlightening, encouraging and entertaining, if it's not that intention, we don't want to do it. And those five words, right? Like, so she's like, okay, but you said something before, which I just want to duck on. You said she hasn't done much for black men in America. What, what's, what, what do you mean? The, what, Stedman's so, not holding it down? <laughs> well, so, I don't know. The, the main thing with her that I had a problem with was when Michael Jackson was alive, she did a lot for the Jackson family and giving them a platform to express themselves, especially when it was the wacko Jackal and all that. She, she did a lot to make sure that Michael was able to express himself and tell his side. And I, I, there, we can actually say that the reason that people held on to Michael so dearly in the 90s when everybody's trying to tear him down, Oprah had her hand in on that. He dies in 2009. And in 2018, you want to drop this Finding Neverland documentary with these people who were lying, who got proven that they were lying. All this stuff you talked about, he got proof of not guilty when he was alive. You had all this opportunity to do this when he was alive. And you dropped that documentary about him and the child molestation and all this stuff when none of the stuff's true. Why did you do that when he was alive? Why'd you wait? Did she, did she do that, Doco? Did she yeah, do Finding Neverland? That was her. She, she was in on it. Oh. Um, she was doing the same thing with Russell Simmons. He, he got acute, accused of sexual harassment or something within the Me Too movement. I don't know specifically what it was, but he got accused and she was going to do a documentary on that. Her and Russell Simmons have been friends for a long time. He kept telling her, Yo, why are you doing this? And the people who were talking about him, they lied. And it got so much to the point that the people around Oprah were like, you know what? Let's not do this because this, the allegations don't have any credibility. She And she backed off. Harvey Weinstein... Did all the shit. Everybody, mm. she knows Harvey Weinstein. Everybody who got accused of being raped by Harvey Weinstein, she knows them or knows someone of them, like someone who knows them. It went to court. He was proven guilty. Where's his fucking documentary? Because if 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 it's about equality, okay, Michael Jackson, you put yourself in that position. Okay, I'm gonna do the doc. Russell Simmons, you put yourself in that position. I'm gonna do the doc. Harvey Weinstein put himself in that position. Where's the doc, Oprah? Oh, so what's the difference between Michael Jackson, Russell Simmons, Harvey Weinstein? I see a difference. Black, white. So, and then I just think about it. So you go. And like, I just remember when I was younger, she used to always talk about, I hate hip hop and all shit. Same shit Bill Cosby was saying, right? When he was out here raping motherfuckers for four decades. Criticizing our generation when they were doing that shit. And I hate that I have to talk about the successful, powerful black people in this, in this way, but it's the truth. And so it's just like, if it's about equality, Oprah, then make it about equality. But it doesn't seem like it's about equality. It seems like it was an attack on black men. And I think she really, she lost a lot of credibility with African-American men when she did that. Hmm. Do you think that you can get to the empowering voice of black culture as big as Oprah being so competitive without the I, with the game? Um... I think in their era, no, because anybody who mm. rose like that, they got picked off, something happened, they spread rumors, whatever. 
I think in this era that we're in, and I think this is something people need to credit Trump for, he has shown that any behavior is acceptable. And, and, so, <laughs> and, and so, like, there is going to be a Trump effect. We have seen, seen CEOs, pastors, these people we thought were the uber professionals act in a totally different way because of him. So I think going forward and being black or being a non-rich white man, you have to be conscious of this. There, people are going to be a lot more accepting of these combative conversations and opinions than they were previously, right? Because it was always something about decorum and having couth and professionalism. But when you have the leader of the free world for four years, I mean, right now you and I are talking, you're telling him, what are you doing on Twitter? Talking about this shit ain't real. I won the election, bro. You lost. And so it's just like, when you have that, how can y'all get mad at me for saying that Oprah needs to make documentaries about everybody equally, you know? Mm. It's going to be interesting to play out. I, I always wonder when, you know, something from the inside tries to just destroy out. How, how does it, how does it succeed when it's clear that when there's power and politics and strategy and there's all this kind of game of Thrones shit when it comes to money and these things they're passionate about those that usually have the most usually in many instances care the actual least about the art or the craft because they care about this and then those that care the absolute most about the art and the craft and whatever usually they're the ones that get steamrolled into that yeah. cycle and they're like fuck why have i sold 170 million and i've got two thousand dollars what the fuck you know like it becomes this um to, to navigate th that that world just seems um extremely difficult so um look man i, I really appreciate your, your time being able to to jump on and um and have a have a good banter because there's there isn't too many people as i said right at the start um during that are an artist that understand the creative side that are also commercial that genuinely understand the business side with the intent to try and help future exploitation of those that either coming up um underneath your world but at the same time trying to empower those around to you know try and fight the two two tensions so um yeah it's been really really interesting talking to you so what where to from here what's the next um what's the next big thing what's what's next for dorian in the world from um 82 group yeah group two sorry yeah um so right now we got black friday sale coming up so anybody that's if you're in group 82 media group 82 media, so group 82 media is for all entrepreneurs so anybody that does anything we help you uh because i started off with group 82 music and we still have that but it was really tailored towards music artists and so a lot of people like yourself real estate fitness whatever kept hitting me up like hey man can you help me too so we launched group a to media so we got black friday sales coming um for anybody that's looking social media ads getting your website built facebook pixel installation um email funnels hiring interns like a lot of services we do at group a to media.com go check that out we got a sale coming up for black friday for music artists um spotify players placement websites, merch store, beat store, any of those things that you need to cover arts, biographies written. We have all that. So go check us out. Group A2 Media, group A2music.com for that. Um, as far as with my brand, I'm really, really going hard on YouTube right now. Listen, and I'm, I'm going to say this because I really want your audience to understand. YouTube is offering distribution deals 70-30 where you keep 70% of the revenue. They get 30%. You own 100% of your masters essentially you it's a you have 100 creative control you can release content as much as you want and you get paid money i don't have to call a single advertiser i don't have to approve a single advertiser those ads run on my channel and this is stuff that you get in perpetuity so for every artist that wants a distribution deal like master p 
or for every person that's looking for residual income, you need to be making content every single day for YouTube. You need to be making content every single day for Instagram. You need to be making this content because that is what's going to win out because the internet doesn't end. It's, it's, it's not a movie. It's, it's not a fad. It's going to go on way after us, right? AR is here, but it's, but it's, it's coming. AI is here, but it's coming. Virtual reality has been here for a long time, but it's really, really coming. And the people who put out the most content and build the biggest brand, they're going to get paid off of that the most for their likeness and for what people want to see. You know what I mean? So continue to release content, please. Like, please do that. We have free eBooks. If you need help with this stuff, if you're an artist, group A to music.com, free eBook, how to get 1 million streams on Spotify, go download that. Group A to media.com. I got a free eBook, three social media strategies that actually work, right? That I've used that show you and walk you through how to build your brand online social media because most people don't know where to start. So go download that free ebook. It really lays the foundation for you at groupa2media.com as, as well. And if you got anything, you got any questions, shoot me a DM on Instagram at Dorian Group 82 on Instagram. I, I, I see the DMs. Now, if you come in there talking some bullshit, I'm not going to respond. But if it's legit, I'll hit you back. So. Dude, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Dorian, thanks so much, man. Uh, group82media.com uh, and group82music. Uh, uh, appreciate it. Best of luck for the for the yarns, man, and the, 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 let the good battle continue, my friend, and best of luck in Texas. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, bro. Talk soon. All right, have a good one. See you, bro. Champion. That was Dorian from group82media.com. Uh very good chat. This has been uh, Rebet Live Dash Radio Dash Talk X. Extremely interesting conversation. Have a good day, team. I'll see you soon.